Hey guys, Texas Slim here, and the name of this episode is Servant Leaders, and this is Story Kits Part 1. Uh, for you guys listening to this podcast, thank you so much. Uh, for you guys viewing, you can see me. I'm here in uh, Lockhart, Texas. But for you guys listening to this podcast, this is serious business on this one. Let's, uh, let's start watching and listening to these podcasts. We're filming these for a reason. And I'm going to keep saying this in every podcast as our numbers go up on uh, YouTube. Um, some people don't like YouTube, but this is worth it. This is something that basically is a value, 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 value exchange. So we've been working hard. So you guys pay attention here. We're going to bring you a new consumption model that is audio, video, and of course, the best beef in the world, the cleanest beef in the nation, of course, and that's through the Beef Initiative. So anyways, here we are. We are in Lockhart, Texas. You guys have been following this journey. I think we're 61 days into it. I think we're a little over 7,500 miles. We basically have been across this country again. I've been driving across this country since I was, I don't know, 14, 15, when we used to sneak off to the mountains from the desert high plains of West Texas. I had the type of freedom and liberty and uh, gumption and basically curiosity to go see the world from a very young age. This is a lifestyle. This is lifestyle management for me. And I want it to be lifestyle management for you. This is a way that we basically get around all of the nefarious things that are going on in this world. Everything that is based on lies and deceptions. This is how you quit validating those deceptions. Change your consumption model. Change your consumer demand. Quit validating the deceptions. You're going to hear me start talking because right now what I am is I'm a spokesperson for the Beef Initiative. I'm a spokesperson for everybody that is an animal producer that believes in clean food and of course the cleanest most purest beef in the nation and in the world that's basically all of the producers that are in the beef initiative if you're not in there yet producers get your butt into the beef initiative it's something that is a basically an umbrella it's a it's an international brand now the beef initiative what it is it's a it's an umbrella that you can use to better your business we're not telling you how to change your business we're giving, we're giving you basically an index that you can place yourself into. It's decentralized and people are looking for you. Local people are finding you. I had uh, our friend Charles Mayfield the other day. I talked to him on the phone. Of course, he owns and he is basically the creator and founder of Pharaoh.life skincare products based on uh, hog lard. Uh, Lord help us he says what does he say mm, lard help us anyways charles there's a plug for you but he was he was talking to a producer they didn't know each other or anything really they just knew about the beef initiative the producer put his name his business in the beef initiative and now he's basically not covered up but he has plenty of customers this is not a marketing plan this is a decentralized way to basically build a new decentralized food system folks this is built on integrity and authenticity. This is built on proof of work. What we're doing is we're all collaborating. It's not a competition. And we're gonna find that out today because what we're doing is now we're designing and engineering this podcast in a way that I get to orate every basically step I've taken in the Beef Initiative. And now we're bringing you the faces. We're bringing you the people. We're bringing you the country. We've been on the back roads. We've been 
basically behind hundreds of gates so far within the beef initiative we're going for 10,000 gates folks we're opening up 10,000 gates we're going to have 10,000 voices of ranchers and you are part of this you're the collaboration if you see this you do not unsee it and this is what these ranchers deserve that's why they deserve these story kits that we basically have been putting together for them we've been working on this as far as june and i our executive producer of texas slims cuts productions for over a year now uh, we are a technology company on the back end of the beef initiative and i'm going to have something to say about that at the ass end of this podcast because you're going to watch the whole thing turning off your netflix you ain't watching 60 minutes anymore maybe we'll bring you the new modern day cattle report here pretty quick i don't know we're gonna talk about that but you guys pay attention because these story kits whenever i was in big tech i knew that the rancher producer and agricultural they never had a digital voice these story kits are engineered in a way that basically gives them a voice that the general public has never heard but they've always been wanting to know and now you get to hear it you get to see it you get to be a part of it you get to build it along with all of these animal producers and ranchers folks this is about being basically bringing back integrity into our lives into our communities through our food and with the best producers in the world basically which are animal producers regenerative animal producers in the country but where does that lead us it leads us beyond the animal producers and the clean food producers it leads us into basically servant leaders people that are building up community we have coaches, we have ballerinas, we're talking to Olympic athletes right now, professional football players, people that have a say in their local community. What would he do? We, my saying is that we build out locally and we broadcast globally. Well, that's about what we're going to do. We've been putting this all together. We've uh, always been on a shoestring budget, but what we've been able to do is leverage some good relationships into where we can bring you higher quality and better production. We're still a little guerrilla media company, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna bring you conversations I guarantee you, you're not gonna find anywhere else in this world. And it's gonna come through the Beef Initiative, and it's gonna come through that basically umbrella that gives the same voice to the great american rancher producer because we're all joining up to save children's lives folks a consumer demand that is driven by adults are now basically destroying young children's lives in the united states of america that's because we refuse to change our consumption model it's time it's time to put our foot down it's time to spread the word it's basically time to say i'm not going to accept this bullshit anymore and that's what you're going to see from me the spokesperson of basically the beef initiative and the great american rancher we want everybody to come in. We want everybody to come through these gates. This is a pathway that is basically a life changer to everybody that's involved with it. Everybody has a different touch point. So we're gonna have four story kits today. One of them basically is the first rancher, animal producer, he likes to call himself a grass farmer, Justin Trammell, basically of Canyon, Texas. Okay, he was the first person I went up and shook hands with at a farmer's market and where the basically this journey has taken us is a fascinating ride so you're going to get to hear from justin one of the other 
fine gentleman that is on this podcast today is Clyde Summerlotti. You're going to get to see Clyde Summerlotti of Two Bar Seed Ranch in the hometown meat market in Luling, Texas. Once again, he reminds me of the gentleman that had integrity in which I was raised in my community. He's one of the most humblest man and one of the most kindest, but his kindness is not a weakness. And this is what you know about Clyde. Also, again, we're going to have Brooke Miller here. Our story kit that we did, we went all the way out to Virginia. We traveled across this country, and Virginia was the furthest, basically, mountaintop that we went up onto, and it was right next to Brooke Miller, Angus Hill, basically Angus Hill's uh, ranch there in Virginia, Washington, Virginia. Uh, basically, Brooke Miller's, I, I apologize, it's Ginger Hill Angus. See how many places I've been? So anyways, so Brooke Miller's on here. You know what? Brooke Miller is a doctor as well, okay? He's a family practitioner. He had to shake up his business during COVID. And so he is definitely in tune with the health of this nation. He's also in tune with the cattle industry in this nation. He just finished his tenure as the president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. And so Brooke and I are talking about having a basically a podcast together. So we're going to team up and bring you every perspective, every form of beef intelligence that this nation is looking for because they can't see it. They're confused by what's going on. So we're going to bring a lot of truths. And then we're going to have a special guest. It's a very good friend that I've met where in the town in which I grew up in. His name is Chris Watkins. He's actually a young coach with the West Texas A&M football team in Canyon, Texas. Their mascot is the bison. They're called the buffaloes. But what he is, he brings something, and I love his phrasing, and I want you to see what he is talking about when he says servant leader. Whenever I started the Beef Initiative, I knew how the rancher had been corrupted in basically the digital world, in the agricultural world, in the financial world. And one thing I definitely knew is that we had to bring them a voice, but we had to serve first. And I always tell everybody, you will not receive unless you first give. Whenever you're giving and you go to somebody and you say, I can see where you're having problems, can I help you? A lot of times that basically, with especially with my experiences within the Beef Initiative, people are suspect. They've been lied to so many times they don't understand what a servant leader is. I think you're going to find that out today. And that's what I want you to really focus in on. Look at each of these men and how they're stewarding their communities, how they're stewarding their industries, and sometimes multiple industries. You're going to learn about genetics of the cow. You're going to learn about building processing plants. You're going to learn about basically being able to provide your community with different forms of animal protein through food sheds. You're going to learn a different, basically, perspective from a very diverse group of agricultural and ranching people in the United States. It's time for our nation to start paying attention, folks. We've got to get back to the source of the seed of where we came from. And we've got to do it with, basically, integrity that these men bring to the table. So enjoy this podcast. You're going to hear me throughout the podcast kind of have some comments and what I think about the person that you just or you're about to meet. Hey, first story kit we're going to hear. I'm excited about this one. Uh, in the beginning, 
basically kind of stayed silent. Uh, Justin with Panhandle Meats, Tier Bloom, Rancher Storefront, he basically was very busy and he was in a transformation of innovation. And what was exciting about Justin is it was as simple as this. I'd been on Harvest, I'd been doing research, I'd been doing food intelligence, I'd uh, embedded myself in a harvest company. I'd went all the way from Texas, all the way to North Dakota, almost all the way up to Canada and back. And I knew that I had to start basically writing and everything I did. I started the Harvest of Deception, that first article. Remember, texasslim.substack.com. Read the Harvest of Deception. But I knew basically I'd written part of this article on my thumbs out on Harvest. Right when I got off of Harvest, I left early. People made fun of me because I didn't finish Harvest. I didn't get to put my name on the wall, but there was a bigger mission here because I was basically on a mission since day one. Nobody ever knew what my mission was. What I did is I went up to Farmer's Market in Canyon, Texas, Randall County in Canyon, Texas. And what I did is I saw Justin sitting there and he had his sign of tear bloom, grass-fed beef, regenerative beef. He was a, basically a clean animal producer. And I went up there and I shook his hand and we introduced each other and I looked him in the eyes and I said, would you please educate me and tell me why you do what you do? I wanna know everything about it. And I told him what I was doing and we had a conversation and he said, basically, yes, I wanna be involved. And so from that point on, me and Justin been having weekly conversations pretty much. Sometimes we go a little bit longer, but he is from my hometown. He's one of the most intelligent and basically educated men that I've ever met when it comes to regenerative farming and ranching from across the board. And I want you to meet him. I want you to someday basically go up and shake his hand. He's a man basically raising a family. He's creating a whole new industry. He's been through every little hardship that you can imagine opening up a processing center. He's got a hell of a story. So stay tuned. Focus in on this, folks. This is the source of the seed how the beef initiative began. Enjoy. Well, a processing center is simply just a facility that takes animals and, and turns them into meat and you know, meat products and that kind of thing. So uh, mainly, you, a lot of times you're talking about beef, but you know, that can also be lamb and pork and uh, bison and that kind of stuff. And uh, so it, it plays a vital role in a local food system because that's the only way to legally get that product, the meat, into people's hands. Probably the biggest difference between a small or microprocessor like we have and a regional processor is uh, volume and, and quality. So like at our facility we might do 18 to 20 head a week whereas at a regional or a larger facility they might do several thousand head a day. So there's a huge difference as far as that goes. Uh, the quality is also different because we especially, well, most of your small processors do what's called dry aging, where you have the beef in an aging cooler for 14 to 21 days and let the microbes do their processes and actually work on that meat so you end up with a higher quality product. And then also because we're doing a much smaller volume where we're only cutting three to four head a day up, 
it allows for our people to really focus on the quality of their cuts and make sure that they get the most from every single one of those animals. Well, uh, the rancher storefront is our storefront on our processing facility, and it's really the primary vehicle that we have to get our product into people's hands. So it's where we sell most of our meat and then also vegetables and the other local goods that we've uh, been able to place in the store. And uh, it's, uh, the, the storefront is really important to the community because it acts as sort of a unofficial food hub because we're able to pull in these different locally produced foods to one central area where they only have to go to one store. Uh, and actually later this year, you know, we're gonna be having apples from Colorado and green chilies from New Mexico and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And so we really will be turning into basically a food hub, which is uh, a really important part of every community that used to be much more prevalent. But since we've moved towards food deserts as a society, you know, that's gone the wayside. Well, the ranch storefront contributes to um, a decentralized food system because it's completely controlled by local people that are actually growing the goods. So like myself and my father that, you know, we raise the beef and the pork and the lamb, that kind of stuff. Um, we're the only ones that are in control of that. So there's not really any other entities that can come in from the outside and, and demand that we do things a certain way. But within that as well, we also have a lot of local accountability because the people that buy goods here know exactly who produced them, exactly how they were grown. And if they ever have any comments or questions or anything, they know exactly who to go to. And you can't say that about buying anything from Walmart or even a United or something along those lines. So that's, that's a big difference with that. And you know, getting back to that kind of local accountability and that local kind of quality, that's, that's something that's just not, you don't find very often anymore. So I, I met Texas Slim back before he actually got most of this really going. Uh, I, I met him at, up at the Canyon Farmer's Market and he came up and shook my hand and you know started asking me about what I had and where it was from and asking me lots of different questions. And so that's actually um, where we first met. I didn't know about him to start with because I mean, he was just asking lots of questions that not a lot of people do. But after that, then, you know, he, he started in on the, the beef initiative and, and really getting things rocking and rolling. And then he's helped us out as far as, you know, getting things set up to sell more and, you know, publicity and then even uh, working towards the, uh, the beef initiative uh, associate, association council where we can actually um, mentor and consult to help others open these little microprocessing facilities and basically enrich, hopefully, get to where that we can help enrich all these different little communities. What I really like about what uh, Justin, besides the wonderful setup, of course, he's sitting right there in the rancher storefront in a rocking chair. Now, why wouldn't you want to be there along talking with him? Well, I do it all the time because I buy a lot of beef from him. But anyways, Justin is very informative. Uh, as you can see, he's a very kind man. And he, what he is, is he's very direct. And uh, you could not get a lie out of that man if you tried. And so I've really grown fond of uh, how he has basically weathered the storm from the processing center to basically, you know, he started out in poultry. You know, the, the way that he is basically 
engineered his community in Randall County and surrounding Potter County as well is something that you don't get to see too often. And it's not about fanfare, folks. It's about basically building community where he knew that he had to build a processing center. He didn't ask for permission. He went out there and he basically is a lot like I was. I self-taught myself technology. Well, he self-taught himself processing, and now he's one of the best microprocessing centers that I've seen in the United States right now. People are gonna start paying attention to that. From day one, whenever I started the Beef Initiative, I knew that the processing centers were basically the bottlenecks of nutrition, of being able to have a voice anymore in your community whenever it came to basically being a rancher or animal producer. So you guys pay attention to tbiac.org. It is the Beef Initiative Association Council, and that's what we're working together with, Justin and I. We're basically consulting people that are ready to build out processing centers in their communities. We have precedents. We have state of Texas precedents. We have a great relationship with Farm and Ranch Freedom Alliance. That's all because of Justin. So that was a fun interview to watch. Uh, I'm never there because I don't want to basically be there. These are the first times I ever get to see him as we're recording this podcast. So thank you, Justin. And what we're going to do, what a great start to segue into Clyde Summerlotti of Two Bar Sea Ranch, hometown meat market, Luling, Texas. As I said before in the intro, whenever I met Clyde, I looked at him and I was like, okay, whenever you meet a man like this, you're gonna look him in the eye and you're gonna come representing who you are. You don't kowtow to him and you look him and you basically bring integrity. That's what Clyde is. He basically is a self-made rancher. He basically came from agriculture and ranching, of course. He grew up in Gonzales, Texas, Gonzales County. Go look how many, uh, what the population of cattle is, regenerative cattle in Gonzales County. He comes from the heart of it all, folks. Gonzales County, Gonzales, Texas, Luling, Texas, they're all right there next to each other. Meeting Clyde Summerlotti is whenever you go, okay, now things have changed. The bar has been raised. He basically, he, uh, he, he spent many years in Austin, Texas, running his business that he basically pioneered into, but he also pioneered into basically learning the genetics of the Angus cow. And anytime that you want to start in the cattle industry, if you want to become the modern day cattleman that we're basically right now is what we're pieing into, how do you become the modern day cattleman? You get to the source of the seed of the genetics of their cow. And this one, it's the Angus because that is the expertise that Clyde brings to the table. He has a cell barn. We had the Cattleman's Feast last year in Luling, Texas, basically right there at Two Bar C and it was in the cell barn. If you guys have never been in a cell barn, they're a fun place to be. It's where you basically, I guess you get to showcase the value in which you've engineered from the ground up. And they have bull cells, they have cattle cells, they have all kinds of things in the cell barns. But Clyde, it's one of the best ones I've ever seen. He's going to be part of the Beef Initiative for a long time come, coming. In next week's podcast, of course, you're going to get to see Cole Bolton's uh, interview and story kit. Well, Cole, guess what? He started his herd 
with a little help from Clyde Summer Lottie. Well, what did they do? They went out there and partnered up and they basically created a regional processing center that everybody out there says you can't do. Hometown Meats, Luling, Texas. Hometown Meat Market, Luling, Texas. It's a place where all of the beef that you get from Texas Slim's Cuts and K&C Cattle, that's basically where you're getting your beef. It's a clean processing center, folks. And basically what we're gonna do with that clean processing center, well, we're building out locally. Clyde is basically becoming the servant leader along with Cole Bolton when it comes to cattle, when it comes to beef, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to community building. This is Clyde Summer Lottie. Well, I guess it's been a long journey because I started when I was seven. And um, fortunately, I had uh, grandparents and parents that were very supportive. And my grandfather um, told me I needed to learn responsibility and gave me my first calf. As a result of that, uh, I really fell in love with raising cattle and being a part of that. And it became a lifestyle that I've carried on all the way through all these years for 70 plus, okay? And um, from the first calf that I got to then having a herd of registered beef masters with my brother and dad for a period of time, then moving off with my insurance business to Austin, I decided to uh, expand into the commercial cattle business there, uh, giving my son some responsibility like my grandfather had done for me and uh, we leased a thousand acres in the hill country, ran about 50 cows there, and uh, that was a great experience for about 15 years. Eventually moved those cattle uh, and their offspring to this ranch here, which is Tubar C, and uh, have expanded it uh, from that time forward. And it's been well over 20 years. Uh, been in the Angus breed uh, over 20 years, um, and as far as a mild milestones, uh, every year has been a milestone because it's an improvement over the prior year. That's what we're trying to do. And But the highest milestone would be my last production sale uh, where we sold a bull for 92,500 to ABS Global. And I have a third interest still in that bull and we're selling semen internationally. So that's a major milestone, uh, raising a bull here on the ranch that meets the criteria that the industry's been looking for. And so very excited about that and very excited about the production that we're gonna have in our next production sale and the, the genetics that will be there to help other registered breeders improve their herds. And uh, it, it's an educational experience every day and it's a learning experience. So there are a lot of milestones and there are hopefully many more in the future to achieve. Our commitment to quality over quantity has been very important because the end product that the consumer receives through Hometown Meat Market is one of really high quality. It's all natural, no antibiotics, no hormones. It has the genetics to have high marbling, large ribeyes, uh, flavorful meat that is very tender. Well, genetic selection is the most important thing here at Tubar C because the genetics that we have today 
is evolving so fast and to stay ahead of that curve, you have to select sires and more importantly, you have to select females as donor cows and then try to match up that breeding, which is more or less a mathematical equation in theory uh, and projections. And sometimes the projections are really great and sometimes they're really bad. You never know. Uh, it's just like when you look at a family that has eight or 10 kids, uh, one of them is six foot six and one of them is five foot four. And uh, you know, so how your genetics line up from a family tree history in a family relationship, it's the same way with cattle and you have that genetic model that's out there and how all of those genes lined up is, it's an amazing thing. Uh, there's really the norm that's there, but then there's the exception and you always wanna hopefully get those that are on the top side of where you wanna go versus the bottom side. Well, my relationship with Slim has been uh, one that has been a lot of fun. He's a fun guy. But more importantly, he's on a mission that all of us need to be on in providing the highest quality locally sourced beef to our neighbors. And uh, so that's what I'm excited about. Uh, I talk about it to people everywhere. Um, I think as we continue to expand the beef initiative all across the country, all of us that are in this business really should have the same goals. And I think Slim is sort of the a driving force to get people lined up behind those goals. And uh, it's really what we all should be doing. So let's just all get in line and, and march on down and, and make it happen because it will happen. I see the goals of the Beef, beef Initiative being one of continuing to educate the consumer on the need for high quality, all natural type beef. Because that is what is healthy, that is what is going to sustain us as individuals and as families and provide us uh, the nourishment uh, to hopefully live a long life and uh, be happy in what we do. And there's nothing better than grilling a good steak that is the best thing you can eat for your body. I've had a lot of people contact me ever since I started the Beef Initiative that want to get into the cattle industry, that want to know more about the cow. Well, what a better place to start than having access, basically, to somebody like Clyde Summerlotti at Two Barcy Ranch. You know, getting to, into the genetics of cattle matters, folks, and it matters to start from the ground up. And if you can do that, then it means that you're serious about understanding the cattle industry, understanding the beef industry, understanding how you build community within the beef industry, how you uh, basically sh get around like-minded people that basically are, are really, really foundationally set in quality over quantity. And whenever you can do that in the cattle industry, you're around the right people. Your life changes, once again, based on integrity. You know, somebody like Clyde went all the way to, where did we go next? Well, we went out to Virginia. So we started right there at Two Bar C. I guess it was 61 days ago. Think about that, folks.
starting at two bar C there with Clyde. We have another interview with Clyde that we're going to basically be presenting. And this is this content's going to be coming for the rest of the year. Look what we've done. We've traveled around the United States. Last year, I was solo. This year, we have our executive producer, June. What we're doing, folks, is we're bringing you the great American rancher. We're getting behind and opening up those gates, and we're bringing you with us. So this is a fascinating ride. We go from Clyde, which is basically about genetics. We shift over into Brooke Miller. Guess what? He is basically Ginger Hill Angus. And he is also very keen with the genetics of the cow. Well, he also a doctor, a family doctor, and he has a family basically practice right there next to his ranch. There's a road that divides his ranch and his basically property is right there. So. Think about that, folks. Somebody that is a family doctor is also an expert in genetics within basically the Angus cow. These are the type of people that you meet whenever you come in and you do come into the beef initiative. Either you be a producer or a consumer, somebody wanting to be educated, somebody wants to network within the cattle industry. That's what we're doing here, folks. It's decentralized. It's not a marketing plan in the way that Brooke Miller basically runs his his family practice now is something that they had to engineer because of COVID. And what he is, he's very, very intent on basically bringing health to this nation. He knows the problem in the beef industry, all the way from as Justin and Cole Bolton and Clyde have experience within processing centers. He understands everything that's going on against the great American rancher producer. He is a voice, he's well-spoken, he presents himself well. He's a family man and he is one of the kindness, most noblest persons I've ever come across within the Beef Initiative as well. That's basically saying a lot because we have a lot of good characters within basically the Beef Initiative that lead with integrity. You say that I'm boasting all the time. Is that what people say? Well, that's what I've heard a couple of times. What I mean, folks, is that I want to show respect for where we came from, from one handshake to the next to the next. This is what this is about. This is about giving you access to people that want to heal you. They want to keep you well. They want your children to be built with strong, basically bones, minds, bodies, and spirits. And what we want you to do is basically accept that they are servant leaders. Brooke Miller, well, he's been doing this in his community for nine generations now. He's out there outside of Washington, Virginia. You guys enjoy this. Okay, well, my name is Brooke Miller, and um, we are right here at Ginger Hill Angus near Washington, Virginia, uh, right in the middle of the cow pasture where we got a lot of cows and calves. Um, I'm a family physician and a cattle rancher. I've been a cattle rancher my entire life and family physician most of my adult life. As, as president of the United States Cattlemen's Association and, and uh, the United States Cattlemen's Association uh, in general, we see you know the biggest uh, hurdle for continued this way of life and continued to have this country have uh, a healthy, viable, ranching industry, the biggest hurdle is, is the uh, concentration 
uh, in our industry and the monopolies that are presented by the big four packing country, uh, big big four packing uh, companies that that uh, uh, dominate our industry and they control 85% of the protein slaughter in the world. And anytime you get that much concentration uh, in four companies. Um, it, it creates a natural monopoly and uh, the economics just fall apart as far as uh, raising cattle for, for a living. So that's, that's, our biggest, that's our biggest hurdle and that is what we're focused on is not only, I'd love to see the United States government break up the monopolies, uh, but at this point in time, I don't think there's a will to do it. So we have to just try to, le try to level the playing field and get Congress and the regulatory agencies to try to level the playing field to try to minimize the effect of that monopoly. You know, the future of Ginger Hill Angus and uh, cattle ranching in America is dependent upon what we get done in Washington, D.C. with the United States Cattlemen's Association, what we get done with the Beef Initiative, uh, and uh, can we make it so young people can continue to raise cattle in this country and do it uh, with some economic success? That it all comes down to that. Can, can you make a living by doing this? If we can't figure out how to get this done, then it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a lost art. It's gonna be lost on this country. And, you know, my fear is that if we're not able to figure this out in Washington and with the, uh, with the Beef Initiative, that we will, as a nation, be highly dependent upon multinational corporations and other countries for our food. And I think that's a national security issue. The Beef Initiative uh, has a saying that they want to increase beef intelligence. And I think what that means is it wants to not only educate consumers about what ranchers and farmers do, but of the health and wellness that beef represents. For, for too long, there's been so much propaganda out there that beef is bad, beef is, beef is unhealthy, and there's no scientific evidence that's credible that backs that up. It's quite the opposite. But unfortunately, the propaganda uh, campaign that's been going on for 30 some years um, has made people in general feel like, yeah, beef tastes good, but it's not really healthy, so I should limit how much I eat. When the exact opposite is the truth. And that's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, is I try to educate my patients on the health benefits of beef and um, how that will better their lives. As far as the beef initiative goes, uh, that educates consumers even more. It brings consumers and ranchers together and it educates consumers with how we do this. This, this is economically, I mean, this is, this is environmentally sustainable. This is, this is good for the environment. It's not, cows are not killing the environment. And when they come out here and they visit a rancher and they ride around the, the ranch with the rancher, develop a relationship, they see what, that he lives on this land, he loves this land, 
and he's definitely not going to do anything to defile this land right right there where he lives and then the other thing is is if a rancher is successful he reinvests in the community you know whereas these big multinational corporations are not reinvesting in communities they're they're basically paying stock stockholders and and shareholders their profits and that's what their that's what their objective is ranchers objective is yeah to make money but they make healthy communities by making money. And I said profound before you guys uh, were basically tuned into Dr. Brooke Miller. And what I meant is that he lays it out on the table, folks. This is where we are as a nation. This is what we're doing to our health, what has been done to our health, the timelines. If you're new to basically this form of food intelligence, it's irrefutable proof that the health of this nation has declined and has now been hijacked whenever we took beef out of our diets. Uh, we've got all the facts. We don't even validate the arguments anymore. We know where we are. We have doctors in the Beef Initiative and Dr. Brooke Miller is one of them. We have hundreds and hundreds of ranchers too, right? And guess what? Dr. Brooke Miller is one of those. Rancher Brooke Miller is one of those. He's uh, had a high position within the cattle industry, and uh, basically I would pay attention. And if you need to go back and uh, watch that again, I would, because it's a good roadmap. Kind of tells you where we've been, where we are, and where we need to go, and how to do this. Uh, we don't follow really the political way as far as talking to Washington and as far as the Beef Initiative. We're relying on you. And what we're relying on you to do is to change your consumer demand. There's solutions out there whenever you point your compass straight into basically the cow. So many different answers get basically answered whenever you focus most of your life understanding the cow and how you would like to honor it, how it's raised, how you would like to basically be able to have market access to it. And what it does, it basically makes the great American rancher start leading this great American health initiative. When I first started the beef initiative, I was asked a question because everybody's, what is the beef initiative? I've had a thousand answers. One of them I said, well, basically the beef initiative is the great American health initiative. A lot of people just don't understand that. Well, who's leading this? Well, the great American rancher is. And this is where we see that correlation come together to where we have doctors, ranchers, we have basically animal producers, we have functional medicine doctors, we have nutritionists, we have people that basically put the cow first and foremost when it comes to health, when it comes to mind, body, and spirit, when it comes to saving heritage, building legacy, giving market access to things been lost, well, it goes through the cow, folks. It goes through the Beef Initiative, and it goes through people like Brooke Miller. But it also goes through our next guest, Chris Watkins, coach of West Texas A&M University. How does he find his way into the Beef Initiative? Well, he's leading with something, and it's something called food intelligence that led him into beef intelligence, which led him into the Beef Initiative and into this guy calling himself Texas Slim. It was a very good way to meet somebody in this day and age. We had the podcast last week and it was a cowboy's history of the internet. And a lot of things of the internet, like I get, I'll say it again, if you haven't watched it, go back there and watch this one. Cowboy's history of the internet basically is a stepping stone for everybody to understand where we came from. Chris in this uh, basically interview talks about how to meet people and basically how to 
become a servant leader. I love his phrase. It's going to be one that sticks around because he is a young man that is on a mission and he's leading with beef intelligence. But what is he doing? He's serving first. He is a coach of young men that play football at the college level. He goes out there and he has to engineer around all of this lack of basically nutrition in this nation. Can you imagine being a collegiate football coach right now whenever you understand Basically, their feeding programs are a lot basically designed as the supermarket, as the multinational corporations want them to be. Imagine being a coach leading with beef intelligence, that is food intelligence, that our college athletes need to start hearing, need to be educated on, and they need to be basically given market access to. That's the relationship I have with Chris. What we're doing is he's gonna basically be a promoter of the beef initiative because he has a lot of people paying attention to what he does. He talks to a lot of parents. He raises and stewards a lot of kids. He's a servant leader in my hometown of Canyon, Texas. And I'm very proud to have met him. And we used the internet in the proper way, in a very natural way. It was basically led with integrity. It was a pivot point, folks. This is what we're doing right now in all of our lifestyles. Lifestyle management that has a pivot point. And we're going after those people that are raising and stewarding. And what are they? They're servant leaders. Enjoy this introduction to Chris Watkins. He's a damn good promoter for the Beef Initiative. My name is Chris Watkins. I'm a football coach at West Texas A&M University, uh, residing in Canyon, Texas, where WT is at. And I have been coaching at WT now for a little over a year. I've been coaching college football for the past five seasons and have really enjoyed uh, not only getting to coach the game of football, but to build relationships with astounding young men that have interesting stories to tell and the beautiful thing about their story is for many of them it's just beginning please do absolutely um, you know when it comes to being a servant leader uh, particularly de dealing with young people you have to understand that today the only authority that is accepted is the authority of service uh, people want to see authenticity coming from you if you are trying to lead, uh, especially in today's modern world where our leaders, every little defects are pointed out. Such and such a leader had this happen to him or such and such a leader did this back in college and they use that to mark against you. And so in order to truly influence the people that you are trying to coach or lead or whatever the case is, you have to give up yourself to them. And what I mean by that is you have to empty yourself because the more that you try to get somebody to do something that you want them to do, it ends up showing your ego and it ends up turning into this transaction. And I've never wanted to be in a transactional relationship with somebody because it's exhausting. It's always marking this for that. Well, I paid for your lunch this day, so you owe me lunch today. And I find it's much easier to uh, coach my players when I come from a place of trying to serve them. So I wanna make them better football players. Well, how do I serve them? 
I have to take myself out of it and things like my team. No, no, no. It's our team, you know, in, in being a servant leader is something that is talked about a lot, but it's hard to practice because oftentimes in our world, we are told that the greatest pursuits, the most, uh, the highest mountains that have ever been climbed, it took some ego to get there, but I don't particularly believe that's true. Um, you know, a big influence on my life in being a servant leader is Fulton Sheen. He was an archbishop in the United States back in the 50s and 60s and had very popular television and radio programs. Uh, I have several of his audiobooks and I listen to them almost daily. And he is always talking about emptying your pot in order to be filled with the Spirit. And for me, you know, being Catholic, I totally buy into the, uh, the erasure of your id. You know, so many people want to, they want to follow their id, follow their drives. And so you can never really be sure if you're following or doing God's will. And so in order to be filled with the spirit, you ought to empty out your ego. And I've never felt that any coach or any person in a position of authority that tried to lead with an iron fist of ego ever truly accomplished their original goal. And so without the players, there is no game. They do not serve me, I serve them. And at the end of the day, I'm not the one putting on the pads and going out there and playing. And so it does me no good to try and control them. I want to influence them to give up their egos to serve their teammates. And if we're all serving each other, then we're serving the team and the greater good. It sounds kitschy, it sounds cliche, it sounds simple, but it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. You know, wisdom is simple most often. And so in order to achieve the ideal servant leader, one must empty themselves out in order to be filled with that servant spirit. So in my health journey, I ended up reading several books by several people, one of them being Paul Saladino. And in following Paul Saladino on social media platforms, I became exposed to others. And I ended up following this network of people. Um, let's, let's give them a name. Let's give them a name. My wife and I like to joke and say they're the Chad community, right? The people that, you know, hey, it maybe has a little bit of machismo to it. <clears throat> Carnivore Aurelius, Soul Bra, those types. And in following all of these people on social media, you get exposed to the people that they're associated with. And so one day I see Texas Slim come up and I think to myself, who is this guy? This is kind of this mysterious figure. And he's talking about beef. He's talking about Bitcoin, which are two things I'm highly interested in. And so I ended up following Texas Slim. And this was maybe two months ago. He had posted a picture from Paladero Canyon. And I'm like, yo, that's my backyard. And so I sent him a message on Twitter and said, hey, you know, Paladero, you know, it's good for the soul. And he ended up following me and messaging me back. And in the true, most pure way that the internet can, community was created in that moment. A relationship was forged. And I had no idea 
what I was going to be getting myself into or what would come of it. But something deep inside me told me that I needed to not only seek this man out, but seek the people in his network out because there's real people on the other side of it. You know, so often we drive through the country past beautiful farms and ranches and we'll never know who's on that land. And that's a shame because there's nothing wrong with getting to know the people on the land in your community. And so that's how I met Texas Slim and, you know, just really that that Chad community, if you will, kind of led me down a rabbit hole. And, you know, I'm a big I'm a big Internet rabbit hole guy. If I hear if I'm listening to an audio book and an author references such and such a poet or such and such a historical moment, I'll go and I'll research that. And that'll lead me to another rabbit hole. And I just continue to kind of use my curiosity with the internet to, to find new ideas, find new people, new books, new podcasts, new videos. And that's ultimately what led me to the doorstep of the Beef Initiative. I think it is easy to overcomplicate what the Beef Initiative is. When I first saw the Beef Initiative accounts, I thought to myself, this is a company. But as I got to know Slim and as I got to see how the Beef Initiative operated, I understood that it's more of a cooperative, a collective. And it's a community of people simply trying to get farm and ranch to table to be a much shorter distance. And that to me was fascinating because growing up, I always loved cowboys, Indians, Westerns, Frontier, Manifest Destiny, all of those things. And so it was this very natural, uh, holistic, organic uh, symbiosis where as soon as I got introduced to Slim, I knew I needed to become a part of the Beef Initiative. And I didn't exactly know how. And that was that chance meeting with him at uh, Journey Canyon Coffee where we just talked about life. He would mention things about the Beef Initiative. He would mention things about Bitcoin or meeting such and such a person at such and such a summit. But that's getting too microscoped. On the macro, the Beef Initiative is simply community. And by getting involved, I didn't know what I could provide in terms of an asset. I don't have a 3,000 acre ranch. I don't come from a legacy of, uh, you know, I'm not a Rothschild, I'm not a DuPont, I'm not a Rockefeller. I don't have tons of assets or capital to just throw into the mix. But when I met Slim, he said, hold on there, young buck. Don't overcomplicate it. Just be yourself and vote with your vote with your dollar in the sense that, you know, it's crazy. My wife and I had purchased beef from Tier Bloon and Justin before we ever knew anything about Texas Slim. And that was just a chance meeting at a farmer's market one day. And so, you know, having all of these things that are out there in the ether all of a sudden coalesce in a moment into real people in real places, that's been an extremely profound thing for me. And how I wanna help the Beef Initiative is through telling my story that is currently being written. You know, I'm relatively young in my coaching career compared to most people who've been doing it a long time or their families have been doing it for generations. And I want my coaching journey to help open doors for communities, for each 
subsequent school that I go and coach at, that's another community that I can introduce players who come from all over the country to local farmers, local ranchers, people in the community who are seeking out uh, radical health, this ancestral health that we talk about. And I think that the beef initiative, it, it's in the name, it's an initiative. We need to all look in the mirror and say, hey, if we really wanna be part of our communities, we have to seek them out. And that is what the beef initiative is, is seeking out your rancher, seeking out your farmer, seeking out the people in your community that you can commune with and break bread with uh, for example, you know, I, I don't have any cows, I don't have any, any livestock, but my wife makes sourdough bread. So if we were to have a beef initiative get together, you know, maybe Texas Slim's cuts for providing the beef, but Natalie Watkins is providing the sourdough bread and it's made with love. It's, you know, got, got all the nutrition in it that you would want out of bread and you're bringing that to the table. So you've got your beef, you've got your bread, and then maybe Justin brings butter from his farm or raw cream. And you know, we just do what a community would do and that's come together. Everybody does their little part, similar to how on a football team, you can't have a defense or an offense or a special teams unit without all 11 guys on the field. Every position is vital. Every job is important, no matter how big or how small. What a wonderful phrase, servant leader, and what a wonderful articulation from a, a pretty fascinating young man. I tell you what, Chris is something else. You get around him within 30 seconds, your best friends, and you bring your basically intentionality and you listen. He has a lot to say, and it's something that is based on wisdom. He has wisdom beyond his years. Um, he has a great family story, everything about him, his aspirations, the destinations that he's creating basically for himself and his uh, young wife, uh, his bride that live in Canyon, Texas. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more because basically Chris is out there and he's he is a servant leader and he's going to teach a lot of people how to be a servant leader. We're going to use that phrasing because whenever I started the beef initiative, I didn't have all the phrases and words, but I have one now and it's because of Chris and what I really couldn't articulate. I just could feel it in my spirit is like, what are you doing for these ranchers? Well, and you know, I did come up with the phrase, you'd never receive until you first give. And that's what a servant leader does. They serve something that is unknown. They serve something they don't know the outcome. There is no assurance. It's built on some form of faith that is a mission that you say, okay, I'm gonna look at myself in the mirror and I'm gonna be obligated. That's what Chris is talking about. That's what we see coming into the Beef Initiative as far as people that are articulating ways to live, ways to think, uh, books to read, maybe people to follow. It's a network, as he said, and these networks are fun. It is a lifestyle, folks. You don't have to worry about all the lies out there. All you have to worry about is basically integrity. And it's something that I think a lot of people in this nation across this world are really yearning for is that integrity that is bold. It is sophisticated. Uh, it is eloquent. It is something that is basically comes from where we come from in history, our heritage. It's okay to say, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, my culture growing up was like this. It's good to be proud, folks. 
Well, that comes with beef intelligence. It comes with getting animal protein to your brain. Everything that we're doing in the Beef Initiative is here, is basically to be a servant leader to the children, basically, of this nation. They did not ask to be part of this health epidemic that we have across the United States and fastly expanding across this globe. So let's all become servant leaders. Let's follow the lead of all these leaders that are in the Beef Initiative. Let's change our consumption model. Let's look at our society. Let's look at our culture. Let's look at our communities and not pass judgment, but to say, hey, how can we basically innovate around this? We're going to do it with building relationships. And we hope that each one of you begins to understand that the Beef Initiative is about building relationships. <clears throat> in a time when a lot of people are living with a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, and a lot of distrust, and a lot of hatred. Well, we're not gonna be a part of it. And we're gonna give the great American rancher, producer, a voice that they've never had, especially when they were taken out of the community by the multinational processing centers. It's something that we're gonna pay attention to closely. I hope you do too, because it's getting to the source of the sea of all of the issues, and it's gonna to get to the source of the seed of the solutions that we now have results. You just saw those results. Let's go build some community, folks. We're not trying to scale anything. We're replicating one rancher at a time. One rancher, one handshake, one cow, one family, one child at a time. And of course, this is coming with uh, Podcasting 2.0. This is the sequence where we go value for value exchange basically exchanging value for value is a way that you actually are intentional about your behavior it's not random behavior it's exchange of value for value podcasting 2.0 gives you peer-to-peer -peer basically listening and producing you become basically a consumer that knows what you're getting and you're willing to pay for it Bitcoin, that's what we do. We exchange sats. You stream sats through Podcasting 2.0. Download the Fountain app and get the Fountain app going. There's tons and tons of podcasts on the Fountain app. And it's something you need to pay attention to because if there's any censorship going on, you're not going to get it through Podcasting 2.0. It's decentralized, folks. And it's going to be a growing industry. Well, if you want to call it an industry, let's just call it decentralized sound communications. And what we do right now is people that basically stream sats to me every week. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Well, you know what? Bubba's here. He's actually in Lockhart. He's been over the basically hometown meat market. He said, we went and watched Cole Bolton team rope the other day. We'll be bringing that to you next week, folks. Bubba, streaming sats. Here we go. Power to you. And June, good travels. Yes, Bubba, good to see you. And also, come from Joel W. There you are, Joel W. 1,100 sats. I am PA Slim. He's up there in Pennsylvania, I think. What do you think? All right. We also have, let me see here. We have Busted Canoe, 750 sats. He's burning a steak. He's got a lot of flame here. And who else do we have? We also have two Roop Hoddle. <laughs> two Roop Hoddle, 210 sacks. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you streaming. And what does he say? He says, too good. We can't wait for Fountain to add video. 
Well, if that happens, you know that everybody's gonna be able to see what kind of cowboy hat that I'm wearing right now and where we are. Right now, we're in Lockhart, Texas. We got barbecue. We're basically about to film a cattleman's feast. We're going all over the country, folks. We're going to Redding, California next week. We're going to Boston the week after, and we're doing the Cattleman's Feast. June is coming with us. It'll be Old Butch. Go to beefinitiative.com, look at the events, see what we've got going on. There's so much more about to unfold within the Beef Initiative. This party is just starting, and yes, it's about lifestyle management, folks. You're gonna hear that a lot because I am Texas Slim. Are you?